Hello everyone, and welcome back to a theater near you. My name is Chris Randazzo, and I'm joined this evening, as always, by Age Obscured by Shadow, Paul Giroux. Oh yeah, shadowy age. I'm all about that. <laughs> and surprise Jodan Baker cameo, Sean Doyle. Mitchell! <laughs> Wait, <laughs> this wh month. <laughs> why, why couldn't I be the Jodan Baker cameo? <laughs> because I thought of the other one first. <laughs> this month's letter was uh, N. And we went with Paul's pick, The Natural. It's been referenced in a ton of pop culture over the years, but is the movie as good as we remember it being? Let's find out. How are you gentlemen doing today? I feel like it's been entirely too long since we've done this. It's been so long. So much has happened to me in the last since we last recorded. I can't even can't even begin to know where to start. Fine, start I will this. then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you start. I, well, I, you know. Uh, I actually don't have too much. I, I went on vacation. It was nice, and then we got COVID, and now, <laughs> now COVID is more or less left me. Our nine listeners will get to hear my cough at some point during the show, but the uh, other than that, I feel good. Uh, it's nice to take a vacation, and that's it. That's all I got. Oh, and I got a niece. That was that was a big oh, deal. Oh yeah, that was a big deal. <laughs> It's like the biggest news, and you're like... It's, it's the biggest thing that's happened since the last time we were here. I, You know what? I, I've barely gotten to see her, because she was born literally the day before I got back from vacation, which I got COVID the next day. So then it was like two weeks of, well, I can't go there, because I have COVID. And now this last weekend was the, the first time I got to, to meet her, uh, which was great. It, it was it was great to meet her. Uh, but I don't know. It's... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't had much time to, you know, I don't know. Well, there's not a lot to get to know at Brace. this stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. She's, like, so tiny, and, like, she just basically eats and sleeps all the time. I, I can't, like, pump her full of sugar and then run out of the house like I just dropped a hand grenade. That's, and, like, <laughs> two years off, you know? And yeah. and poops. Eat, sleeps, and poops. That's, that's right. Yeah. All the bases. I just looked at it, and we're actually not late. I felt like we were running really late on this one, but the... Our last episode went up June 18th, and it's only July 21st, so we're, we're right on schedule. Why does it feel like it's been so long? I don't Three know. Three or four days late is on time for us. Exactly. I don't... <laughs> that's about right. I don't have a whole lot of concept of time right now. Um, yeah, I, I think that's awesome, Sean. Congrats to you. Congrats to your family. I think that's cool. I'm glad that happened because, uh, you know, there's a lot of... You know, I feel like otherwise uh, we, you had a really concise thing there. Just to A leads to B. Went to vacation, got COVID, you know. so <laughs> <laughs> Broke it up a little. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, like a lot has happened to me in the last month or whatever it's been. Uh, I guess, all right, so I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you three big things. Uh, so you guys, you're, Chris, you were talking about how you like rearranged everything or whatever, and now you can sit back in your chair. I like changed all the rooms in my house. So like we moved oh. we moved Nate into the guest bedroom, which was my office. So uh so now he's in there and I moved out of there and like I moved into the office. So like now what was the office, which I didn't want to be in because I didn't want to share with people. Like, now that's, like, my room. Um, and then what was Nate's room is kind of, like, Sherry's relaxation room now. So, like, we moved this, like, sauna bed in there. It's not, like, a sauna bed. It's, like, a – it's kind of, like, a burrito blanket. It's, like, a – it's, like, a um, – it's, like, a weird uh, – 
It's like a weird silvery burrito thing that you wrap yourself in and you do like infrared like heat kind of thing. Um, and we're trying to put like a massage chair in there too. Um, but uh, yeah, like now that I'm in the like office office, like I've rearranged everything and like I can lean back and like I put like, here, wait, I'm going to turn on my camera. Where is it? Oh. See my see the the Batman pop art that I put up there on the wall. Oh, look at that! That's yeah. that's 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 great. And the picture. Uh, let me explain it because this is a podcast. Uh, it's a picture of the Joker and a picture of Batman, and they're squares. And Paul's near them. And and right in the middle, that's the picture that we took at Mahoning Drive-In with the Batmobile, where we're we're on the Batmobile. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know that um, podcasting is such a visual medium, so I'm I'm glad you uh, explained it, Chris. Um, it's what but, I'm here for. Yeah, this room's pretty sweet. I got a little couch in here. I got a little like Nintendo nook. So, um, you know, I don't know. I, it's gonna be it's gonna be a it's gonna be a challenge to like not come hide out from people here. Um, <laughs> and then let's see. Oh, we we went to that concert. That was awesome. We saw um, Toad the Wet Sprocket. Uh, Gin Blossoms and Bare Naked Ladies. So it was like the hottest concert of 1994. Um, nice. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was a great night. Like uh, everything was in our favor. We got parking like right outside the venue. Uh, we we were we were in these like mezzanine seats, and then this usher was like, "Hey, I'm gonna move your seats," and he moved us to this balcony. Um, and at first he was like, you might have to move if somebody else comes and has these tickets. And we were like, okay. And somebody else did come and have the tickets. And the guy had vertigo. And he, like, looked down at the crowd. And he was like, whoa, I can't be here. And I was like, I can tell you where there's some seats that no one is sitting in. <laughs> so then it was all on the level. And, like, we literally probably got moved to seats that were, like, twice what we paid for. Um yeah, the concert was awesome. Bare Naked Ladies did that thing where they cover a lot of stuff at the end of the show and, like, jam out. Um, and then at the end, all three bands came on stage together and covered a Traveling Woolberry song. And, like, you know, I mean, I, I haven't seen live music in, like, three years, but uh, <laughs> that was, that was like, you know, the most exciting. It was the most exciting thing to happen to me in a while. Um, Covering the Traveling Woolberries is the hotness. Just saying. Well, I think, you know, I think their their thinking was like, put the three of us together and we're a super group. What other thing is a super group? Let's cover that song. You know what I mean? So hmm. I appreciated okay. it. I appreciated the, the instinct. Um. Oh, yeah. And then, all right. So here's my other big story. Okay. So, um, so. I know we've been having some of these conversations like offline, right? Like not when we're recording, but like, you know, we've been having those conversations about like money and bills and like all that stuff and life being hard and being an adult and having to pay for things. Um, so like we, we definitely have dug ourselves into a hole recently, like between the vacation and then other things like there's, I definitely did that thing this month where I was like, what can I cut? You know, like, <laughs> like, what can I, what can I remove from the, the monthly bills every month, you know? And I've been trying to figure out where to, you know, make some money or how to do some things. Right. So a couple months ago, this was, this is probably like two or three months ago. Does this, this story end in online gambling? Cause I love it. 
I would totally, I would totally do your trick if I lived in New Jersey, Sean. Like I can't come running over the bridge every time I want to do your trick. No, the toll's well, gonna kill you. you can't. <laughs> no, this does not end in online gambling, but it, I think it's equally exciting and weird. So, um, so here's the story. So a couple months ago, I'm gonna say like two or three months ago, uh, I get a letter from a private investigator out in Nevada. Um, I don't remember the guy's name, but we're, I wouldn't say it anyway on the podcast. I'm going to call it like Bob Johnson, private investigator, because I think that's funnier <laughs> anyway. Right. So I get this letter from Bob Johnson, private investigator. He's like, Hey, are you this Paul that lived at this address and had this insurance company? If you are, I have found a forfeited ath- asset in your favor, uh, you know, right back to me and I'll arrange the paperwork for you and get this money to you for a 20% finder's fee, right? So I read the thing and I'm immediately skeptical. I'm like, no, like anytime I get anything that seems like it's free money, I'm like, that's, there's no such thing as free money. Like that's not a thing. And I kind of put it aside, right? Um, so like a month or so later, uh, I get the letter again, right? Um, and I read it and I was like, you know, I did live at this address and I did have this insurance company. So maybe there's something to this. And I was like, but I still don't trust it. So I call my dad and I'm talking to my dad about it. And I go over the whole thing. And my dad's like, well, he's like, there's probably some basis in that. He's like, you know, a lot of times if a company is trying to pay something, pay pay somebody what's owed them, and either the person is dead or they move or they didn't cash the check or whatever the reason was, if, like, the money never gets to them and it goes on for long enough, then they forfeit the after. They they send it to the the state and that it's like in the the bureau of like forfeited assets or something like that right, um, and I'm like okay and I'm like so, you think I should do this like should I contact the guy, and my dad's like well why don't you just contact the insurance company, and see if they ever sent you a check for that amount, and then go from there and he's like. It's your fucking money. Why should you pay that guy? And I was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> so I call the insurance company. I like, I like, I found the policy number on like an old piece of paper that was in, you know, my files. Um, the guy on the phone was like really intent on trying to help me, but you could see he had never dealt with anything like this before. He's like, this policy has been closed for like eight years uh, I'm trying to figure this out. Like he had to put me on hold. Um, and then like, finally when he got back, he was like, all right, listen, he's like, you want to go to this website? And it was like missing And I was like, that's, that's a little bit on the nose. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I go to this website and I think what it was is like that it pulled from all the states that do this like if 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 different states participate in it because i think pennsylvania didn't participate in it and when i went to that it took me to another link that was like the pennsylvania treasury and i had to i don't know i had to like i had to search for a while it was not easy like just putting in the information that i thought would get me there didn't but like i searched a little bit and sure enough i found it and i was like this is me 
this is the proof of who I am. Like I had to do my social security number and stuff. And then I was like, you know, this is my current address. And they're like, all right, we'll send you an email if we verify it. And then they sent me an email and they're like, all right, we verified it. You know, you'll get the money within 10 days. So sure enough, at the beginning of the week, check showed up in my mailbox. Like this was for like $1,101 or something like that. Like it was, you know, it was pretty good. So didn't really dig me out of the hole, but like certainly helped. So I don't know. That's my exciting story about how I got free money. That was actually my money that I didn't know about. <laughs> wow. How did you not know about it is the part that gets me like if I was owed a thousand dollars, especially like what are you saying, like ten years ago or something? I definitely would know about it. <laughs> it wouldn't fall off my radar. I'd be like, Where's my thousand dollars? <laughs> I don't know how I didn't know about it. Like I certainly don't understand anything about insurance. Like, I don't, I don't know why we pay it or what it does or why it costs so much. Like, they tell me what to pay every month and I pay it. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it had something to do with when I sold the one house and I got the other house. And either, either I didn't understand what was happening or, or they sent it to my old address and I never got it. Like, I don't know. Oh, I'll bet you paid, like, a year's insurance on the one house or, like, six months' insurance on the one house, and then you sold it in the middle of the policy, and they canceled the policy in the middle and sent you a remainder check. And then since you weren't there because you just sold the house, it got put back to them. And then I guess you went with a different company for your new insurance on your new house. Right. That's that's probably true. And the reason I probably didn't miss it or wasn't aware of it is because it's all rolled in with your mortgage payments anyway. Right. And you, you just pay your mortgage. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, like it's on that's on them to pay the taxes and the insurance and stuff. Right, right. Well, yeah, so I sure wish money would happen like that for me sometime because we've just keep running into the opposite. Like, just, uh, you know, it's been one it's been one ridiculous thing thing after another you know covid hit lose my job the mortgage company screws us my bathroom needs to be repaired and winds up costing 10 times what we could afford and planned on from decisions made by people other than us the dogs keep gets keeps getting more expensive because she keeps having more weird ass medical issues like it's just one thing after another well you should go to missingmoney.org and see if you're missing any money <laughs> i'm definitely missing money whether or not that website's going to give me any is a whole nother story exactly yeah now i, I... you should just be keep being persistent you should be like nope i'm definitely missing it it's here somewhere <laughs> you guys you got you got to let me know there's something here for me i'm sure of it so we uh, let's see what 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 I guess it hasn't been that interesting a month for you know me other than just uh, you know hoping that we can <laughs> hoping that we can pay our bills for another month. Um, the I'm gonna get to meet one of my uh, uh, I don't know favorite internet personalities pretty soon. I'm going to um, for Stone Age Gamer podcast. We're going to Long Island Retro and. Um, I got a message from my friend Ferg yesterday. Uh, he's the host of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast. And this guy named Kevin Bunch <clears throat> has been doing, like, insane work trying to figure out release dates for old Atari games. Because 
nobody really knows exactly when these things came out. Pretty much it's the year, and that's as, that's as far as anyone gets. So he's been narrowing it down to months by going through old newspapers and uh, magazines, newsletters, anything he can find. Uh, and he's been doing just, just an amazing job of figuring out how as close as possible, not to the day in most cases, like the vast majority, but he's been doing a lot of really interesting work to complete nerds like myself. It, uh, it, now, is that okay. information that's important that like people want? Uh, people like me want it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mean I don't mean to piss on his Cheerios. That's not my intention with this, but I'm going to point it out anyway. Because look, I, I feel that urge not for video games, but for other things, comic books and and, and collectible trading cards and things like I, I'm the same level of nerd, just in a different genre, right? Um, but I have to assume if he's using newspapers, he's getting some bad info. It might be better than no info, but it's probably still wrong because how many times are things scheduled to come out? I'm talking about trading cards and comic books, and they're, they're advertised, and you're supposed to be able to get them on this date, and then they just aren't there for, like, you know, six more months or a year. Like, I remember, uh, I think it was uh, Ice Age from Magic. That thing, I have advertisements on the back of comic books. That thing was supposed to come out way before it did, and it just kept getting pushed, getting pushed, getting pushed. So, like, if I was trying to go back and figure it out, um, not that that information is missing, that information is out there, but if I was mm-hmm. trying to go back and figure that out, uh, I would just have a, a litany of false, you know, false information. Well, that, that's what makes what he's doing so difficult, and that's sure. why he he doesn't go by, like, when was it advertised? He goes by, when did people start reviewing it? When did he start to uh... see people talk about physically having it? When was it advertised as being in store now that kind of stuff you know right, right. so it's it's like cross-referencing how many how many times have you noticed this game and then when does the internet say when when does the uh, internet say that it exists now and then when did it actually happen according to the best information that you can find it's it's an insane amount of work and i just respect the hell out of the guy for doing it sure i, I wish i was doing that with my life because it sounds fascinating but so this other guy, Jeremy Parrish, he is one of my internet heroes. Uh, he is another video game historian. He's been doing this just astounding YouTube series uh, called Video Works, where he's just going game by game throughout uh, just video game history. It's, it's fascinating stuff. He's very well researched. Uh, I donated a bunch of empty boxes for Game Boy games to him a few years back. Uh, I, I just enjoy the hell out of his work. Ferg messaged me and said that he was contacted by Jeremy Parrish, uh, who's working with Kevin Bunch on a, an Atari book, and they found, they've been able to find every Atari game complete in the box, except for one. And so Kevin Bunch, who listens to Ferg's podcast, reached out to Ferg as like, well, if anyone's got this game, it's him. And he doesn't, he doesn't, but Ferg knew that I did. <laughs> So Jeremy emails me this morning. He's like, hey, uh, a bird told me that you have basic math for Atari 2600. I was like, you're damn right I do. And I will mail it to you for pictures in this book. And uh, he's going to be at the Long Island Retro Convention that I'm going to be at. So I'm going to get to meet Jeremy Parrish. And I'm very excited about it. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just over the moon. I'm, I hope I don't nerd out too much because I tend to get really nervous when I talk to people like that, but, you know, uh, in, in person. Uh, I'm, I do a little bit better when I'm talking to people online, but 
you know, I don't know. <laughs> he said he'd he said he'd offer to pay shipping and buy me a drink, and I was like, well, that second part's not going to work out too well for you, but I'm going to try to be like cool about it. So, <laughs> I guess we'll see how it goes when I get there. You're uh, like, make, as long as it's a juicy juice, yeah, I'm yeah, make him buy you a juicy juice. That's <laughs> cheaper than he thinks. Buy me an orange soda, and I'll be happy. Uh, I'm also gonna it just uh, actually this weekend on Saturday I'm gonna be e uh, interviewing somebody for the Stonehenge Gamer podcast who works for Digital Eclipse. They're the company that do uh, most of the best compilations of games, including the upcoming Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cowabunga Collection, which I'm very excited about. It's got every Ninja Turtles game on it, like all the classic series Ninja Turtles games. I'm over the moon for it, so I'm gonna get to talk to this guy and talk about all the weird compilations he's done over the years um all the all the all the games including that one that just came out no uh the older ones so yeah. arcade game the nes version of the arcade game the first nes game the third nes game all the game boy games turtles in time all the weird fighting games for super nintendo and genesis like all of them so they have that one for playstation that's like the kind of uh like like 3d one no, it's only ones based on the original series Ninja Turtles. What? So, like... Oh, like the arcade one based on the exactly, original Exactly, based on the original TV show. <clears throat> yeah, the 90s cartoon. <sighs> Just every game based on that. So, that the only ones missing are, like, the Tiger LCD games, and there was one PC game that's not on there. It's just all the console and handheld stuff, so... Well, you were right. That new game is friggin' phenomenal. Isn't it great? It's oh, so I good. love it to my, death. My only complaint is even on hard, we we, we blew we were blowing through it. So it, it's my <laughs> we only... were. Perrine wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, Perrine was not. But the rest of us had no problem with the game. Like uh, we enjoyed it on medium, and then we were like, okay, now we'll play it on hard, and it'll take us months, and we'll get it. Now nah, we're st you know it, it's it's. It's a wonderful game. It's perfectly done. I want more of it, and there it, there just is no more, and there never will be. Yeah, you you definitely can blow through it pretty quick. Like I and and you're right, you do kind of want more, but like I also kind of appreciate that the fact that like it's it's very much a expansion of of what feels like the the classic arcade game and oh, like yeah. they tried to give you more you know like at one point i was like there's a lot of boards and there's a lot of like end bosses like this is like this is very complete in terms of what you wish you know because it, it was funny too because right before we got it we had just gone to um the uh the the pinball arcade out here and they have the the Ninja Turtles arcade game. And I think we were having that conversation last time, right? Like if you're going to open one of these little like mom and pop arcade places, like, yeah, you got to have Ninja yeah. Turtles, Simpsons and X-Men. Yeah. If you don't like, just don't bother. Right. Those but, are the three um, best beat em ups ever. Like where, yeah. where else do you go with that? There's nowhere. But I, like, I, I couldn't remember if I ever really beat the arcade game because when you had to pump quarters in it, like, eventually you were going to run out of quarters. And I was like, well, now we just have time and we don't have to put quarters in it. And so, like, yeah. Sherry and Nate and I all stood there and played it until we beat it, you know, and it was very satisfying. And then uh, when we got that Switch game, I was like, oh, like, this is... Like, this is perfect. This is everything I wanted out of the other thing because it just keeps going. Like, there's just more yeah. boards. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a very well-put-together package. I'm beyond impressed with it. If you guys like that one, 
uh, I would recommend the last time this company did a beat 'em up was Scott Pilgrim versus the World, mm-hmm. which is available on all current platforms, and it's great. It's not quite as good as Shredder's Revenge, as far as I'm concerned, but it is still very good. And um, the recently released Streets of Rage Four is phenomenal. So uh, my favorite part. So my favorite part about video games, uh, for the most part, especially uh, since COVID has happened, is the fact that i'm able to play with people that are far away right so it's basically like getting getting to hang out with my friends when you know the world is collapsing and i can't hang out with my friends uh i heard that i think the streets of rage one that's only two player right yeah yeah it's only two player yeah which isn't terrible but uh god there's like there's like six or ten people i want to play games with online so it's like we're constantly yeah for those finding ones that have like yeah the the larger quantity of players. I mean, the Ninja Turtles game goes up to six players. Which is great. I can't... I, I'm just over the moon with that. I'm getting the Switch version physically, and that is when I want to have people over to play six-player Ninja Turtles. Because I want to do that. I want to do that in person, not online. But, I'm in. Count me in. Yeah, I'll play Hell it yeah. again. It was wonderful. Yeah, I'll play that one over and over again. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of things that happened to me that weren't strictly video game related, but that's most of my life, so... I mean, I've been watching a lot of good TV. We have another show for that, too. But uh, it's been nice having Star Trek in my life. Um, I, I used to love Star Trek, but, you know, Karen was never into it. So I kind of didn't watch it. But I got her into Star Trek Picard, and she enjoyed it. And from that, I convinced her to watch uh, Lower Decks, which is hilarious. And from there, we started watching Strange New Worlds, which is just freaking great. So Star Trek's back in my life. Uh I just got the Battletoads soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> like the old NES game. I got that soundtrack on vinyl. It's amazing. Um, probably the most, the, the biggest thing that's been happening to me all, all this summer has been my basement's been flooding. So, uh, my uh, air conditioning unit has been, uh, last year, last year I would come downstairs every day and every now and then I'd notice like a drop of water on the floor and be like, that's weird, where the hell is that coming from? Like, it'd just be like a drop of water. It can't. It wasn't coming from above because there's nothing wet above it. It's just completely confused. And eventually, I figured it out when things got really bad. Uh, apparently, my air conditioner, the water that it like it does the whole dehumidifying thing, but the water wasn't going outside. It was just like some of it was going outside, and others of it was just getting caught in the machine and then flooding out the bottom of the machine. And since I didn't know it was happening. It was just going underneath all the floorboards in my basement. So I would step on a floorboard and the water would come up from beneath all the floorboards. Like, oh no. Oh, that's not good at all. Oh my god, dude, you can't win. No, no. So that was last year. And I called uh, our air conditioning guy to come over and he was like, it could be a number of things. Uh, It could be that the water in this pipe just got frozen from the AC being overused. So just, you're going away for the weekend turn everything off and let it do its thing and then when you get back let me know if it's still leaking so we did that we went away uh, for fourth of july and we came back and uh we started up the ac and it like it was leaking a little bit but not bad and i was able to keep everything under control i bought a dehumidifier fine another year passes starts getting hot outside and uh i noticed that uh the floor's starting to get wet again except this time i'm hyper aware of what's going on so like, all right, I remember this happened last year. Uh, we're going to go away on 4th of July again, so we'll turn it off, let it do its thing. We came back, 
turned it back on, and it did not get better. It got so very much worse. Now, because of all of our money troubles, knowing what little I know about air conditioners, I looked at I looked at this and how much water was coming out of the air conditioning unit and like how old the unit was. It's like I have no idea how much this is going to be to repair, but I bet it's not going to be the amount of money we have right now, which is none. So <laughs> we have been focusing on putting our what little money we have in, onto other bills, and I've been using, I've been pulling out somewhere around three to four gallons of water from the basement every day between the dehumidifier running and the amount of towels I've been wrapping around the bottom of the air conditioning unit. And when I say that they get wet, when I change out the towels, you pick them up and they're just dripping wet. I had to take them outside and wring them out three times a day. And like, so it'd be like four to five towels three times a day, wringing them out. I have an idea. I have an idea. Okay. Can you dig a hole in your basement? <laughs> no. <laughs> I cannot. No, I'm, like, I'm kind of serious, right? Like, is there a place in the, like, right? Because that air conditioner is, like, in a closet, right? Uh-huh. Like, is there a place in the closet, in the mouth of the closet, whatever, where you could, like, where we could dig a bucket-sized hole in the floor and that it would it would flow towards the bucket and not out into the the floorboards. I don't think so. I don't know how I would get through the basement floor, but... Concrete? Yeah, I mean, I guess we could just beat the shit out of it, but the problem has actually been solved. That was the good news. So after a month of doing this with the towels every day... Uh, it was the drain line itself, so the, the air conditioning guy came back, and he was like, alright, well this doesn't have a trap on it, and that seems like a big problem. And there was this, because so much of my house, and the wonderfulness that is house buying, is like finding out what's weird about your house. So, the way this thing was put together was there was this PVC pipe that was kind of wrapping around from one end to the pump that goes outside. But there was abs there was no release anywhere on it. It was just one pipe that was solid from point A to point B. And apparently you need uh, like something like an opening on that pipe to let air out of it so that the water flows properly. So what was happening was that the water was going into the pipe, but because of the lack of release anywhere, only some of the water was going where it was supposed to be going to the pump that goes outside. And the rest of it was just going back inside of the machine and just filling up everything inside of it until it spilled over, which is why it was, the water was never coming out of the same place. So he just replaced the PVC pipe. He was worked for like maybe 15 minutes and he was like, there you go. You're all done. Not going to be expensive. He hasn't billed me yet because he wanted to wait a couple of days to make sure that that actually solved the problem. And it did. It's been dry as a bone down here for a day and a half, which makes me so happy. But that's been the big source of stress in my life. Bringing out tower, towels. And now I don't have to wring out towels anymore. And it's a I feel better. Yeah, that sounds like you were a, <laughs> a slave to a machine in your basement. That, like you literally had a machine in your basement that just made water. <laughs> it was just barfing water all over the place. And like every morning, the first thing I do before I even go to the bathroom is come downstairs to the basement and start stepping on the floor and seeing if it's squished. And like sometimes on the really hot nights, it would get it would get past the towels. It would get past all the towels and seep onto the floor a little bit. And 
But now I'm just kind of running the dehumidifier and getting everything else out, and everything's been dry, and it's been it's been wonderful. It's good that you went to that air conditioning guy, because I went right to dig a hole, which was, was the <laughs> wrong approach. <laughs> Yeah, no, he lives across the street. I'm super lucky to have this guy. He's fixed our air conditioning problems like a couple of times now. And he's just, I just go next door and he's like, okay, yeah, that's no problem. Like one of the, what is it? I think last year, besides the water flooding in the basement, the big problem was that two of the fan blades just fell off of the fan and the air conditioner in the backyard. So the air conditioner is shaking like crazy. I'm like, this doesn't sound right, but I can put a bunch of cinder blocks on top of it to stop it. <laughs> so I'm piling all these cinder blocks on top of the AC unit, and the thing starts shaking enough to knock the cinder blocks down. <laughs> and eventually I'm just like, you need to come over and look at this. I don't know what's wrong, but I feel like my air conditioner is going to explode. He's like, well, it's missing a couple of fan blades. That's probably... <laughs> it's just spinning completely off its axis so he just replaced the fan no problem he's a super nice guy very good at what he does i was thrilled to have him there and while he was doing the repair the kids were playing the ninja turtles arcade game on my arcade machine <laughs> so yeah that's what we got going on i guess we should talk about movies now huh yeah, what the <laughs> we could just keep talking about air conditioning i mean i don't know <laughs> whatever you guys this, want we're gonna take this podcast in a whole new direction <laughs> it's all about home repair now yeah we're gonna work poly shore in still but other than that whole new direction wherever we can obviously but i tell you what i'm having i'm having crap luck with my garden this year and that's kind of like that's kind of bothering me my tomato plants are just doing nothing this year flowers are going great tomato plants not so much but apparently mel ring is growing a watermelon and that's something I failed at last year, too. And I don't know why. My watermelons would all get to... The, I got like eight or nine of them throughout the course of the season. They'd get to be the size of a softball, and then they'd all just split open and die. Why are you doing this to me? So, the only thing I grow is scallions. And you want to cut something? You want to cut a big bill out of your, uh, your, your monthly bills? Just buy one scallion and put it in water by your window. They just don't stop. No more spending $30, $40, $50 a month on scallions like a sucker. <laughs> nay nay you just need one and you put it how many scallions do you go through because I, I tried that you told me about this and i do love me scallions too so i put it in the window and like i had like two of them going at a time and it takes a long time for those things to get big enough for me to use what like i don't know what kind of water you're putting them in or what's wrong with my water but i had those things in the window and be like well it's been three weeks and i might get like a hot dog's worth of scallions out of this or something like there's nothing here so eventually i just bought a bunch of scallions and i i used them and then the the bits that were the 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 roots i set them up in my garden so now i got a ton of scallions out there but even those don't grow super fast they grow in the dirt too i didn't even know that they do grow in the because because my i was talking to my mom about the one that you told me and put them in water and she's like i just threw them in my garden and they're growing huge so hers are doing great. Mine, they're doing okay. I haven't had to buy scallions in a couple of months, which is nice, but we don't haven't been using them as much. So, I don't know. The ones in my window, they're in a big Simpsons, like clear Simpsons. It's like a giant beer mug. Uh, and we fill it up with the sink water, um, which I'm sure has some minerals in it. It's got a little bit of a little bit of t taste to it. It doesn't bother me, but Jacqueline, uh, we've got like the Brita filter in the fridge or whatever. But we give them the sink water. We put them in there, and they grow... They grow faster than we can eat them to the point where, like, every week I got to, like, trim off a little bit of brown at the top. I wish I wish I had that problem. I'd put scallions on everything if I could. Hell yeah. 
All right, well, Scallion Cast, uh, episode one, <laughs> coming next week. <laughs> All right, let's talk about The Natural. Uh, let's get the basics out of the way here. The Natural was released on May 11th, 1984, and was distributed by TriStar Pictures. It was directed by Barry Levinson, whose other credits include Good Morning Vietnam, Rain Man, and Wag the Dog. The movie stars Robert Redford, Robert Duvall, and other people not named Robert, including Glenn Close, Kim Basinger, Wilford Brimley, Barbara Hershey, Robert Prosky, and Richard Farnsworth. Joe Don Baker was not listed in the starring roles. Some bullshit. Which I think is a damn shame. Bullshit. Yeah, Joe Don, Joe Don Baker was in it, and also uh, Michael Madsen, I noticed, was, a, oh, yeah. was a Bump Bump Bailey or whatever his name was there. <laughs> It's based on a 1952 novel by the same name, and it tells the story of a ridiculously good baseball player who gets shot by a crazy lady in a train and comes back to the game after a long hiatus to see if he's still got what it takes to be the best there ever was. So. <laughs> I was telling Paul beforehand, I don't have a ton to say about this movie. Um, I haven't seen it. I thought I did when you were explaining it uh, on the show last month, uh, but when we started it up, and... Uh, like maybe 15 minutes in, I was like, yeah, I've never seen this before. I thought I had, but I, I have not seen this. So did you guys not watch it in that that film class that you took in high school? Um, I've seen it. I have seen it before. It's on my best sports movies list of all time, which is not an impressive thing because it's on everybody's <laughs> best sports movies list of all time. It's number five on my list. It's not uh, – I don't know if I, we watched it in Mr. P's class. He probably, You know what? We watched some movies in their entirety. Lots of movies they just showed us parts of, probably because there's just too many great movies out there. They were like, I guess, trying to pique your interest or whatever. Um, were, were we all in that class together? I don't know if I had that class. That was... Who was the teacher? What, Mr. P. You, you guys talked about him being the, the guy that was super tall. The guy yeah. that... Yeah, yeah, Mr. P. I think. God, did I see it and just completely forget it? Because I swear I don't remember anything about oh, it. Oh, you know who's in my class? Uh, it was Joe Mygone. Does that ring a bell? It was like me, Carolyn Pine, Joe Mygone. I don't remember who else was in there. I don't Here, think I've ever been in a class with you and Joe Mygone at the here's, same time. Here's so. the thing. I think I, I think I took that class with EJ, that EJ taught it, and not uh, Mr. P. Uh, and, I, and I think we watched The Natural, but I, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I the feel big, like I watched it in a film class. The big thing we watched was that that would have been in all the film classes was they showed us The Godfather, but they had spliced it together with no flashbacks. No, they they showed you The Godfather, but they showed it. They showed they they made a cut that was in chronological order. That's what I'm uh, saying. No flashbacks. So it was like one, two, and three, but like just this is like you followed the story of the people. So it, it, you lost some of the symmetry, but it was actually the first time I had seen The Godfather. So then I only saw it the, the normal way after the fact and knew that there was symmetry, like where they were showing you. Because, like, when it's well, all the, discombobulated. The, God, the Godfather 1 is in, is in you know, in the, in the present day of that movie, right? The Godfather 2 is the one that cuts between... Uh, you know the what's his face? Um, Robert De Niro in the past. And... Yeah, De Niro, who was I don't know Corleone's father, I guess, right? Or no, he was he was he was young Vito Corleone, right? And it's him coming to him coming to America from Italy, 
and the like the beginning of them being an organized crime family. So it, it cuts between him and the present day. And then the third one is many years later when Michael's the head of the family. So so when you watched it, you watched half of two, then one, then the rest of two, then three. Sure. I, I've seen them since in like the the intended format. Um and it's funny, like, you see something, like, your first exposure to something, that, like, I, and I knew they had edited it, you know, switched things around, but then, like, that kind of got ingrained in my head as, like, this is the way to do this, you know? So then, like, I saw it later, and it was interesting the right way, or the normal way, but I was like, I think I liked it in the chronological way. <laughs> did, did they make you watch Rollerball? <laughs> I've seen Rollerball. I don't think they made us watch that in film class. That would be weird. But but it, not the like remake of it, like the, the James the, like, Con. Yeah, the James Con nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we watched that in that film class. I had a <laughs> I had a totally different film class than you guys. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I've never seen The Godfather. Any of them. We're Let's already past G, you son of a bitch. The first yeah. one's great. It's, an, it's Again, this isn't like groundbreaking stuff here. The Natural's a good sports movie. The Godfather's a great movie. Jaws is a good movie. Like, this is pretty basic for someone who has a movie podcast. You should you should have at least pointed out you hadn't seen The Godfather before we got to G. It probably would have won. Let's make a note of it when we go around again. Yeah. It's just absolutely... There's there's bound to be some sort of major major movie that I've never seen for every letter of the alphabet at this point. So, what are you gonna do? Uh, anyways, um, so yeah, I, I I didn't recognize this movie. I was thrilled to see Joe Don Baker playing a, a crappy Babe Ruth type guy. That was awesome. Uh, but I didn't see him getting shot coming at all. When you sent that text message and you were like, "Of course, Joe Don Baker is in this movie." I was like, I was, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I, I didn't remember that he was. Then we watched the movie. I was like, there he is, right? And then I was like, now I'm determined to like go through the rest of the alphabet and just find Joe Don Baker movies to mess with Chris. And then I was like, I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if I could find a movie that had Joe Don Baker in it and Paulie Shore? And I searched, and there is no movie that has oh. Joe Don Baker and Paulie Shore in it. But upon looking for it, I found a website called the Oracle of Bacon because I was kind of like, <laughs> let's do the like six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing to see how far apart uh, Joe Don Baker and Paulie Shore are, right? And so there's this Oracle of Bacon website where you can put in anybody and see how far away they are from Kevin Bacon. And then you can like change your path, right? Like if you don't like that path, you hit change path and they do a different path. And then you could also take Kevin Bacon out and put a different actor in there and see how many degrees apart those actors are. So how many degrees? Give us the answer. Oh, I have to go to the Oracle of Bacon. The, the, <laughs> Wait, you, you, you found this trying to figure out if Pauly Shore and Joe Don Baker were together. You found the website, you didn't put it in and say, oh, it's two movies apart. It was, it was, I think it was like one movie apart, but the, uh, but I thought, I felt like the, uh, the big takeaway was that I found this Oracle of Bacon website. I didn't know I needed to tell you how far apart they are. That, All right. That's the See, whole story. You started, <laughs> this is like the hero's quest. 
and then you got to the precipice, the interesting thing, you're fighting the dragon, and you don't tell us the outcome. All right, stand by. Talk about something else, and I will, I will let you know. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, this guy. Anyway, so it, anyway. Was, it is a great movie. Hooray. Yeah, it was. It was a really good, it was a really oh, great movie. You messed I... up the podcast, Chris, and we can do this while Paul does the homework he should have already done. You were supposed right. to ask us how we watched it. Wait, I got I got one. Do you want it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, Pauly Shore was in Pauly Shore is Dead with Chris Rock, who was in Panther with Joe Don Baker. Would you like a different link? <laughs> sure. I've never seen Panther, so. Okay, stand by. Pauly Shore was in Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star, with Alan Covert, who was in Strange Wilderness with Joe Don Baker. It's a brilliant wow. website. It's a brilliant website. Well, Sean's 100% right. I did screw up. How did, we, how did we watch the movie? I watched it through nefarious means, and I had mozzarella sticks from the air fryer and a glass of chocolate milk. Oh, what? Wait, what? Oh, shoot. We're on N, right? So P's coming up, right? Panther? It does come after O, yes. Yeah, well, I have... <laughs> there's something else I want to do for P, but... This would be if I was gonna do it. This would be, this would be what to do. It says this one says Pauly Shore was in Pauly Shore is Dead with Michael Madsen, who was in The Killing Time with Joe Don Baker. But we also know that Michael Madsen was in was in The Natural with Joe Don Baker. So that's like that's like a double link there. So that makes me feel like it strengthens the fact that the P movie would be Pauly Shore is Dead because that that sort of links to Joe Don Baker in two ways so that's that's as good as i could get that's pretty but. good again this this website's amazing and I, <laughs> i'm sure i will go to it from now on remember when we didn't we do that when we were all on tour we would just sit in the van and do six degrees oh yeah <laughs> try, it's a good time trying to connect you people you're trying to drive across part of texas what else are you going to do <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted the how we watched it. Oh, uh, I'll go. Uh, so we watched it on our TV. We we paid for it. It was on uh, Amazon. I think it was a dollar. I think it was like two ninety nine. But we had some sort of credit. Jacqueline's always got credit for something or other. Uh, so I think it was like ninety nine cents. We watched it on there. We had. I finished off a bag of knockoff Oreos that weren't flavored like Oreos. They were flavored like s'mores. So one cookie was chocolate, one cookie was graham cracker, and then the middle was basically Oreo filling. But they're, you know, pretending it's marshmallow. The two things are different. But the, the s'mores cookies were delicious, and I got them at Aldi, and they were a no-name brand. And they were cheap and delicious. If I'm going to eat unhealthy crap that's going to kill me slowly, I'm certainly not going to pay a lot for it. The... <laughs> Oh, and uh, I had me a nice glass of bourbon uh, because Jacqueline for Christmas, which was months ago, got this game called Booze Clues, which was fun, (laughs) but this wasn't the movie for it. It's basically you lay these cards out in front of you like something happens in slow motion. Uh, Someone is unexpectedly shot. Someone says, let me explain, and then they're not allowed to explain. Uh, and every time one of those things happens, you have to drink and flip the card over and hand it to the other person. It's got something else on the back. It was a pretty good game. This uh, and there was a handful of times we both, you know, drank a little bit during this movie. Uh, there was a handful of times it it, it 
went off, but I think the game would be better on like a bad movie. I think like your best bet would be like some sort of cheesy '90s movie would probably have every one of these tropes, and you know, well, then you'd be trashed. But I guess it's all about what your goal is. <laughs> so that's yeah. how we watched it. Definitely, someone shot in this movie. Definitely. Yeah, but uh, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that happened. Uh, one of them was like. A clock is shown for the passage of time. That was an oh, uh, somebody walks into a bar where they just clearly don't fit in. I had that card in front of me when he goes to that that dinner where he he clearly didn't fit in. Um, plenty of others. plenty of montages in this movie. If the drink for any montages. Oh God, we didn't get through the whole deck of cards. There might have been something about a montage. I don't really remember. Um, probably because drinking goes along with the game, so then you probably don't remember. It's part of the. Part of it, probably. But the... Uh, no, it was, again, it was a good game, and it, it definitely triggered. I probably had to, you know... I, I was going to drink that much anyway. I only had, like, the, the one glass of bourbon. But, yeah. It was good. It was a fun game. Uh, I think it would be better in a large group on a really cheesy 90s movie. Um, but for this, it worked out nicely. Uh, I can go next. Um... Well, I watched the movie on a format called Digital Video Disc. Uh, it is abbreviated as DVD. I don't it's know all if the you range. guys. It's yeah, all I don't know if you guys have heard it. Well, get this. The good Excuse people. Excuse me, as I pressed my glasses up against my face, the V stands for versatile, not video. Digital versatile disc. Digital versatile disc. They hold more than video. Oh. What? <laughs> Well, I'll just say that the DVD, <laughs> whatever it stands for, was brought to my house by the good people at Netflix. They delivered it right to my door, if you can believe that. That's service for you. I mean, Wow. It's I, like real life streaming. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if they actually delivered it to my house. I feel like it was the United States Postal Service. but um, That was Frank Netflix. Yeah. Either right way, it was service. And the only way it could get better is if it actually got piped right into my living room through my TV. I don't know how that would happen. Um, but, yeah, uh, we watched it. We watched it on on disc. I couldn't find it anywhere, so I just I put it next in that queue when they delivered it to me. Um and uh, we had a a pie from Perkins. Uh, it was like a chocolate chocolate silk pie. Uh, Perkins is right down the street from us. It's one of the perks in living here. And sometimes, <laughs> we, Let's see what you did there. Sometimes we get a pie. It was my grand my grandma's favorite. She loved Perkins. <laughs> it's just well, like old person Denny's, right? I mean, yeah. I oh, it, eat there like once or twice. It's, it's one. It's 100% old person Denny's. That's what it is. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's fine. So, uh, back to what I was saying before I messed up the podcast. I didn't see him getting shot. I did not see that coming. I was genuinely surprised by that. I was like, ah, he's he's, he's messing with this woman on the train. You were just with young Glenn Close. What's, uh, what are you doing here, man? Shadowy. Shadowy, right. (laughs) (laughs) The whole time, I'm looking at it like, is that Glenn Close? I, why is she... They're just not showing this person's face. It's like, I feel like this person's face being revealed is going to be some sort of big thing. It's like, no, they just didn't want to de-age her in any way, shape, yeah, or form. Yeah, they, so they, they obviously shot them in shadows and low light and stuff like that because in that beginning, they were 40-year-old people who were playing like 20-year-old people. You know, <laughs> I mean... If this movie was made today, they definitely would have digitally de-aged them. 
I think being that the movie was made in 1984, this was this was what they had. You know, this was this was the tricks they used. Yeah. And yeah, I guess to like modern modern viewers, you go like, what's what's the scoop? What are they hiding? You know, like what's going to be revealed? But really. It was just their way of trying to hide the fact that these are like forty-year-old actors, uh, you know, and like they, you know, they tried to put him in a a more youthful hat, and they had her hair down, but you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they it it was it was weird, like it was it was weird that they were supposed to be kids, and you know, you saw Robert Redford and Glenn Close playing kids, you know, like quote unquote teenage kids. Well, how old were they in this movie? Because, like, I remember in when the like when he started getting playing baseball again, and then he went to like that dude I can't remember his name that was all mean to him at first, and then you know the the coach Wilford Brimley. Was, yeah, what was his character's name? Oh, uh, pops, pops, pops. That's it. How did I forget pops? But uh, the whole time he's like looking down at him like. First, he's complaining that he's too old to play, but then he keeps calling him kid. I'm like, well, which one is it? Because he looks not that much younger than you, dude. Well, yeah, and that's another quandary, right? Is like, how old is Wilfred Brimley, like, ever, right? Like, like you, you guys realize that Wilfred Brimley has been playing an old guy since we were kids? And, like, he, like, he probably only died, like, ten years ago, you know? Like, like... He lived for a long time, but, like, in the 80s, like, he was in stuff like Cocoon and stuff like that, where he was supposed to be in a retirement home. Like, that dude has made a a career out of playing senior citizens for, like, half his life. Wow, he died at age 85 in August of 2020. Yeah, 2020? That's, that, wasn't, that was only two years ago. I thought <laughs> he died he, two years ago. Oh, my God. And he which, was only he was eighty five, which means that he was basically so Robert Redford uh, is eighty five now, so he was only he's only like two or three years old. I just looked it up. Robert Redford is eighty five now, so it means during this movie he was about forty, which is about what the uh, that's what his character was supposed to be during the bulk of the movie because it was supposed right. to be sixteen years after the sh- shooting, which he was supposed to be whatever eighteen nineteen. So he's supposed to be playing playing like a 36 37 year old and i think he was just over 40 which is fine you're right in the ballpark there plus i'm 40 and i'm gonna pretend that you know it's the same as being in my 30s and (laughs) but that means wilford brimley is was literally like two years older than robert redford in this movie yeah he was he was 50 right because he was born in 1934 and the natural came out in 1984 so he was 50 yeah, well, it was all that Quaker oats, I guess, that he ate, you know, made him <laughs> sort of, like, sustained him at a, a look of 65 from the time he was 50 till the time he was 85. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think Brimley was 49 when they filmed this, and Redford was, like, 47. So, which is older than I thought. 80, he's 85 now, and this is 40 I was 40 looking at him, ago. like, what, why does he, why is this, why does these people keep calling him kid? <laughs> Like, right, yeah. He's not a kid at all. That's the point. He's not a kid. Like that was the whole thing of why they were trying to stop from playing baseball in the first place. So look, this is a brilliant movie, and I'm. Uh, but now we're talking about stupid things they said. And the best, the best line I caught that I was like, well, that was poorly written right there. Which is again, that's an anathema for this movie. I think that's the right word. I'm going with it. Uh, 
uh, Duvall says to him, I, I wrote it down because I was like, that was that was ridiculous. They're walking out of the um, the stadium after he starts doing good, but before Duvall figures out everything. <clears throat> and he says, what are you trying to hide? And R- Redford comes back with, I'm not trying to hide anything. And Duvall's next line, it's a little quiet because they're, they're talking a little fast and it's a little understated. Uh, but he goes, who says you are? And I'm like, you... You did. You just you said, what are you trying to hide? He says, I'm not trying to hide anything. He says, who says you are? That's, what are you talking about, man? You did. You just said that. You just Ow. said it. You're the one. You're the you. You're the who. Um, yeah, I, I, in, in response to two of these things, uh, number one, I didn't believe for a second that Robert Duvall wouldn't have recognized him. Like, you know, he's he's drawing all those little pictures and he's like, he's watching the game and he's like, where have I seen this guy before? And it's like, literally the last time you saw him, he struck out a guy that was supposed to be the greatest player of that time. Like, I, I had a hard time believing that that Robert Redford wasn't going to recognize him. Um, and then the other thing, because we had just been talking about Wilford Brimley, and I, I loved Wilford Brimley in this movie. Like, I love Wilford Brimley. I love this character. Um, the notes that I took about this movie are indecipherable. I should just ignore them. Uh, when he sh- when he showed up, I, apparently I wrote down oatmeal, comma, diabetes, comma, I love <laughs> Wilford. <laughs> sure, you weren't drinking? <laughs> I have no notes. I didn't write anything down. I was just kind of enjoying... I was really enjoying the flick. I was. It was nice to see, like, the actual where that Simpsons joke came from. The whole the Wonder Bat and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, that's that's the thing that I know the most about this movie was that, that Simpsons episode, which I've watched, like, a bajillion times. Uh, with, the, with the Wonder Bat and everything. So, that baseball episode was great. So one of my notes was uh, that you know it's a good movie... Uh, when you're watching it and you're like, I know every one of these scenes from something else. So, like, this movie started so many tropes for sports movies, but also for parodies. Like, that opening scene, uh, the what is it, Kingpin, directly is just parodying that opening scene with him and his dad, and he's throwing the ball, and he's putting a hole in the thing. That's Bill Murray, uh, not Bill Murray, uh, Woody Harrelson and his dad with the bowling behind the, the shop. Like, there are direct correlations to that. The Simpsons episode you're talking about with the bats, it's not just that. It's it's half the movie they, they, they rip off yeah. in that episode. And it's not ripping off the parody. Um, and then the, the, the fireworks at the end with him running, how many times have you seen things? Oh, my God, that? yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. like, at, that's so referenced and, and parodied and, and troped at this point that it's it, it, it's stopped being part of this movie and just started being part of cinema. It's like, sure, that's how you signify this heroic run or this heroic sports thing. There's fireworks going off or lights exploding or whatever it has to be. So, like, that's kind of how you know you're watching one of the best movies ever where everybody else has either ripped it off or parodied it so much that you know the whole movie before you've seen it. Except for the gunshot, which surprised you. Uh, yeah, because totally Because it doesn't get yeah. parodied, which is the biggest twist in the movie. And you're right, it, it, does, it does jump out a little unexpectedly. It was it was pretty impressive. Like I didn't even think about the fact that they were talking about, um, they're talking about how there was like some sort of serial killer or something using silver bullets, and I was like, well, that's gonna come up again. 
And then it just never occurred to me there was going to be this woman that he was going into the train car with, which, like, was clearly very obvious, but just I didn't piece it together. He turned around and she shot. I was like, oh, oh, no. All right. So does he, like, come back and coach or something? Like, what's this movie about? <laughs> so I was really interested to see where it went. And I didn't didn't think it was going to be old guy comes back and baseballs the heck out of things. I, I have so many thoughts about about the part where he gets shot. Um, I so so that was the one thing I remembered from having watched it before, right? Like from from watching it years ago. I mean, uh, uh, I think like Sean said, right? Uh, like I remembered some of the the big memorable takeaways, right? Like the the sort of uh, hitting the ball into that um, into the lights of the stadium and the sparks. You know, I remember Wonder Boy. Um, I remembered, you know, the, the like, sort of just uh, basic beat-by-beat beat memorable stuff that you would remember from this movie. But the one thing that I really remembered was him getting shot. And it's because when I saw it in high school, I think it, I don't want to say it, like, ruined the movie for me, but I, I had a hard time with it because of that because it it made me feel like I didn't understand it because when he got shot the way that it's filmed and the the sort of the editing of it and the the way that it fades to black it sort of has like a finality type feeling to it and I literally thought he was dead like me too I, 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 I thought, thought they killed him yeah I thought that they sh- that she shot him and that he was dead and then when it said 16 years later and he comes walking into the field and like he kind of comes walking into the field with a with a mystical kind of feel to him right like he's got the trombone case the trombone has the case has the bat in it which you know we learn later is sort of a um uh you know like i guess it's kind of a good luck charm but it, it feels more like it has some mystical properties that there's some um you know, there's there's a little bit of magic to it. Um, so, like, all of these things together made me start being like, all right, like, is he a ghost? Did he come back? Um, I literally spent the rest of the movie wrestling with these questions, and I felt like I never enjoyed the movie. Um, and I think this time I, I got a lot more out of it. Uh, but I think it's these very things that that make you that make you want more out of the movie, that make you feel like it was not quite coherent in the way that you wanted it to be and that you wanted there to be some thread or some some more managed through line that, that made you connect with it better. I guess that's the best way I can describe it. Hmm. Right. I can't say I felt the same way. I was I was never enthralled by it, but I was genuinely entertained by it. I was kind of we we rather like our inspirational sports movies in this house and Karen has showed me a decent number of them and I was kind of waiting for that real inspirational sports movie moment which I guess kind of came in at the end when he hit the 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 ball and he was going to die or whatever like that but the, you are right that a bunch of the kind of through lines that this movie was trying to thread didn't really work um, I did find it like pretty funny the whole bit with his son where she's just like so 
I got this son. And he's like, oh, tell me about him. She's like, no, I have to go. <laughs> We're like, oh, it's his. It's his yeah. kid. <laughs> tell me about him. Yeah, he's about, uh, when did you leave again? Yeah, he's about that old. <laughs> no, so the thing that killed me about this son, at the end, uh, he's like struggling. He's at the bat. It's, you know, it's do or die time. I don't remember. There might have been a strike or two already, right? And she's like, I know what'll help. I'll drop a bombshell on him that not only is he a dad and I've kept it from him for 16 years, but the kid is here watching him. That's going to help him focus on this next pitch. <laughs> like, what is happening? Is she secretly sabotaging him? Like, like I knew it was going to work because that's kind of like how, like, oh, I'm going to do it for my son now. I have something to live for. And like, but if he had I'm something to live like, for, he should have stopped batting. Exactly. And I'm like, well, that's that's gonna get me to stop doing it. It's just gonna leave me let me go. And I really didn't know what was. I really didn't know what was gonna happen. Like, is he gonna? Is he just gonna like die during the sequence? Because like I know that sequence where he starts running with the 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 lights exploding. I'm like, so does he die at the end? The whole time I'm sitting at the edge of my seat. Like, is this gonna like? Does he collapse? Like, what's gonna happen? Because like they said he was gonna die, and then the next scene he's playing catch with his kid in the field. I'm like, ah. Oh, well, that's lovely, but that was some seemed like some really unnecessary tension. Like, I don't think they were going for that level of tension during that scene. I think it was supposed to be celebratory. And I'm like, is he gonna die? Like, when's he gonna collapse? The blood just... coming out of his shirt was pretty concerning. I was like, this isn't good. All right. And how exactly did that? That's another question. What was with the blood coming out of his shirt? Like, they said he was gonna like have some sort of internal thing. Like. Oh, is hang, it on, just hang on, hang out on. Out of his skin? What hang on. was that about? Let 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 me clarify here. Uh, the doctor didn't just say he was going to have some sort of internal problem. The doctor said, "If you keep playing baseball, your stomach could explode." <laughs> so Jack would like, say the same thing, and I was like, "If his stomach problems are so bad that it is eating all the way through," <laughs> and then as I was getting the words out, I was like, "It must be his stitches. Didn't they just take a bullet out of him? Like they just did a surgery and took a bullet out, right? He must have just popped his stitches, which then makes it a little anticlimactic because you're not going to die from popped stitches. I mean, I'm sure it hurts, but it's that's not going to kill you, probably. I, I don't know who played that doctor, but the the sort of like cavalier way that he had the conversation and the sort of lack of any science that governed it like you know he's like yeah we we pulled this silver bullet out of you and he's like oh and he's like all right well how soon can i play again and he's like oh you can't play it really damaged your insides i mean uh with what happened if you play baseball again your stomach could explode <laughs> i was like Wait, what? <laughs> like, like Sherry and I literally looked at each other and we're like, his stomach could explode? And then when he's rounding the bases and he's bleeding, I'm like, well, looks like his stomach exploded. <laughs> That's what happened there? Always well, we listen to your doctor, kids. <laughs> um, yeah, what the heck was I going to say? Um, I don't know. I had something, too, and now I, now I lost it. But... I, I got I got something. I got one more note here. It, it, it didn't occur to me the first, like, I don't think it's ever occurred to me before, but it occurred to me this time watching it, not that I've seen it a hundred times, but I've seen it a couple times, they never come back to him pitching. Like, they, they have that one scene where everybody finds out that he can pitch, and he, like, gets the ball wedged into the net or whatever. Like, it's like, holy crap, he can pitch. And then they just kind of <laughs> move on. Nobody's like, you know what, let's get you out of right field. Like, even when he's... Even when they don't know this medical issues, they're not like, you know what? We could use a good picture. I was thinking the same thing. Like, 
this guy is good at literally every position. Like, why, why, why not switch it up from game to game? Like, let and, this guy pitch. And not to be like, not that I'm, I'm not a baseball expert, and I know Greg's listening, and he's probably like, gonna tell me I'm wrong somehow. But like, if I understood the situation correctly, towards the beginning of the movie, Matson was like their, or Bill, uh, uh, Michael Matson was like their star player, right? And they were like, after they realized Robert Redford can hit. They, because they put him into one game in, in Matson's position because they both play right field. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, if those are your two best hitters, you just have one of them play center or left. Like, those aren't like overly, it's not like being a pitcher. Like, you can just kind of move your outfield players around. So you got your two best hitters, and you're like, unfortunately, they're both right fielders, so I can only play one of them. No, you get rid of one of the other guys who can't hit. Hitting's like the thing. No, I, uh, it, I, it annoyed I, me because I'm pretty sure that's how baseball works. I kind of thought the same thing. I was like, I was like, nobody's just like, uh, yeah. I don't. Uh, Greg will clarify for us, but like, yeah, I feel like in the in the course of somebody's career, you know, if you if you go to one team and somebody already plays that position, then they try you somewhere else. You know, like that's I, I'm I'm sure that's how it works. Um, but maybe part of keeping. Madison, you know, uh, what's his name? Bump out of the game was, um, you know, because then you find out later that he is, he's being paid by the the judge to, to to throw games, right? Like, right. he's their, he's their best hitter, and like I think in the beginning you think he's just like a wise guy, you know? It's like, oh, why didn't you slide? And he's like, oh, I had a cigar in my back pocket. I, you know, you like you thought he was just kind of an asshole. But, like, really he's doing it because he's being paid to do that, you know? So I think I think part of him, taking him off the field was, like, how you know, getting them to to win games. Right, right. But then they just killed him anyway. They are like, you know what? We're going to have a, a rare baseball fatality. Boom. That was kind of hilarious. <laughs> 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 he runs through that fence, and I was like thinking of the naked gun, and I'm like, "Wow, that must have hurt." And then, like the next scene, there's a funeral. I'm like, wait a minute, he freaking died. He's dead. <laughs> he ran through a wall. Were there spikes behind the wall? <laughs> was there an alligator pit back there? Or something? What did I miss? How did he die? And then Karen's like, "I guess that's why all the walls are padded now." I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there was another woman dressed in black with a gun back there. <laughs> also, the silver bullet, like, this, the bullet was just in him for 40 years or whatever? And, like, this never came years. up. 16 years. 16 years he's had a bullet in him. Like, when he got... Did he not go to a doctor after he got shot? I, I, have, I have questions that need answers, I think... okay? I want to know how he survived the gunshot without them taking the bullet out. I think that might it doesn't be, seem... I think that might be a thing. I think, like... God, I'm trying to think now of why I think this is a thing. Especially, like, this is movie set, what, back in, like, the 30s or 40s or something? I think they might have... They, sometimes it was like, well, it's just too dangerous to get that bullet out. We're just going to leave it in there. And then they just... But it didn't seem on. like it was in a bad place. Like, if it was, you know, lodged somewhere, like, near his heart or something, sure. But it was near his stomach. Yeah. Like, no, this has just been hanging out near your stomach for a long time, causing lots of problems. Could like, make it explode. 
Exactly, could have made his stomach explode. It seemed to me, and now I don't know a lot about 1930s surgery, <laughs> but it does seem to me that if there's already a hole there where the bullet went in and it didn't come out, and it's just near his stomach, like... Let me tell you the little, I, the little bit of knowledge I have about 1940s medical uh, practices. Uh, oh my god, I can't wait for this because it's going to be extensive. Like, no, no. You, always, you always do this. You're like, let me tell you the little bit I know, and then you talk for like an hour about the, you know. Look, I'll keep it real short. Like, <laughs> yeah, you both know Poppy. His dad uh, had cancer. And their solution to it, this was back in like the 40s or 50s, I think it was the 40s or 50s. It was I, He was dead before I was alive, and probably because of this method of dealing with it. But the, the practice at whatever the time period was, was they just stuck like uh, little pellets of radium into his neck. And they just Ooh. sewed it up and left it there. Like, that was the plan. He had some sort of cancer in his neck. They cut him open. They put some pellets of radium around the cancer. They sewed him up. And they were like, have fun. Go home. And like... They were just going to leave those in there forever. Now, apparently, his body eventually forced them out, and he'd just, like, wake up one morning, and there'd be, like, a pellet of radium on his pillow, and he'd pick it up and throw it out, which is super not okay nowadays for lots of reasons. But, like, <laughs> they would just they would just roll with it back then. They were like, yeah, who cares? Well, the, the object's in you. It'll, it'll be all right, right? Yeah, what's it going to do? It's not going to move around, probably. Leave it. Well, we're probably also talking about being one step away from treating things with leeches you know so yeah uh, that's all that's, good... that's only like 50 60 years earlier right they were still doing that in like the 1890s right like yeah i think they were still doing it in the civil war right we've come a long way but then my other question has to be i want to know more about how that guy died from running through that <laughs> wall on the baseball field I want to know what was back there i want to know what the complications were that led to his freaking death it would have been awesome if the next scene was a funeral and then towards the middle of that scene you found out it had nothing to do with the wall but like after that they took him out for a beer and he was in a car accident. Like, what? <laughs> Every time I think this movie's gonna zig, it zags. It's great. <laughs> or like, like he, he runs through the wall, he's like, I'm alright, and then a bus crashes through the wall onto the field, you know? <laughs> Or like in The Naked Gun, where the tiger ran onto the field in all night. Turns out we were going to cover The Naked Gun after all. <laughs> See that? We got back. We got back. Yeah. I did not get around to rewatching it. I really, I, I wanted to. I really wanted to rewatch Naked Gun before this episode, too. But uh, sadly, the time was not on my side. I, I did not watch Night of the Creeps. I'm sorry, Sean. Oh, God. You, you should still do it. So good. So good. Thrill me. I, I definitely promise to. <laughs> but I have one more thing that, like, I don't know, jumped out at me. Like, and I guess it's the point of the story, so I'm, I'm kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm just beating the dead horse. But, like, I think it was more annoying to me this time how, how he, like, he had his big shot in the beginning and he gets sidetracked by a dame. I'm going with the word dame because the time period of the movie, I think it's appropriate. He gets sidetracked by this dame who turns around and shoots and kills him, right? Or doesn't kill him, but whatever. Uh, and then, like, he does whatever for 16 years. We don't see it. Fine. And then he's like, I'm going to try baseball again. And as soon as things start going well, he's like, let me get sidetracked by this dame again. And I know she was there as a plant, and that was her whole job, and I get that. But the fact that he so readily just fell for it... It felt like 
it's like, dude, this is exactly what happened last time. And I know it ended up with her with a gun. She didn't shoot him, but she shot the gun near him. And I was almost at that point, I was like, you know what? If she shot you, you kind of had it coming at this point. The first one I feel bad for this time around. It's pretty clearly on you. Yeah, I I have a lot of things to say about this. So the the whole gunshot thing sort of mystifies me to begin with, right? Um, because I I feel like when you pick it apart, right? Like when you when you talk about what the movie put in place to get you from point A to point B to when he gets shot, right? Chris was mentioning that they're talking about it on the train this what was it a murderer that's killing sports stars with silver bullets question mark mm-hmm. something like that yeah. something like that right and then uh our boy joe don baker uh the whammer um kind of makes eyes at her from across the train right he's looking he's looking at that the woman in black from across the train you know he kind of like gives her a little eyebrow thing he's playing with his ring you know like like Probably when I saw this in high school, I couldn't figure out what was going on. But now I'm like, oh, he's totally trying to nail her later, right? And then they have this bet. You know, I, I really like that scene where they all walked to the field near the train, and you know, they played baseball and stuff. I thought that was a thought that was a cool scene. I thought that was an exciting scene. But like, once he struck out, once Roy struck out the whammer, and it was like something that even professionals hadn't done and this guy that was a nobody did it like then all of a sudden she's she's talking to him on the train and she's you know she's getting to know him and i was like oh she's totally on this train to kill the whammer right like the whammer was the target and then once she saw this guy that was going to be the greatest in the game which she even says that right what does she say like say you were going to be the best there ever was or something like that. Right. She says something like that before she kills him, you know, like, so then my mind starts questioning, like, like, did he do something wrong? Like, what did he do wrong to get shot? You know, like, like I, like I want, like I wanted it to be like, there was some, there was some lesson for him. There was some causality you know, and Sean well, he started cheating on her because like, he's with Glenn Close, Glenn Close. Yeah. Uh, and then he gets on the train and like he just left Glenn Close what, a couple days before or whatever. He's on the train. And then like when they're going through that tunnel, like they're making eyes at each other. And the next thing you know, they're holding hands like he's holding her hand at one point. And then like, I guess by 1930s standards or maybe 1980s movie standards, he has, you know, committed adultery. You know, like uh, it's a it's a little blown out of proportion, but it's it's clear that he is being unfaithful to his support system. Or I or I see what you're saying. Like like even if he hadn't committed adultery, that was the intention. Right. Like when he went to her when she called on the phone and he went to her room like he thought that was going to be what happened and not that he was going to get shot. Right. 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 Yeah. I'm I'm still confused on why he wanted to keep the fact that he's he like who he was a secret. Like he wanted to be a baseball player. I so I, I how exactly how exactly did he get back into baseball without 
Like, so this dude shows up out of nowhere, and, like, a reporter sees him and knows his name, and, like, he strikes out the best, you know, hitter in the entire universe of baseball. Clearly, he must have made the news by doing this in some way, shape, or form, especially since he's then shot and left for dead on a train. How did that not make the news? And then he comes back, like, he doesn't even Ben Kenobi this shit. He's just like, no, this is still my name. I'm still me, but don't look into it. I don't think Please. he. I don't think he did make the news. I think the news was Robert Duvall, and Robert Duvall drew that little cartoon, and like he was gonna, you know, like once, once Roy Hobbs was on a team and playing and was, you know, was uh, making waves. He was he was gonna like tell the story of when he he struck out the whammer, and I think because. He then never showed up until 16 years later that that there was no news. You know what I mean? Because I think it was it was Robert Duvall waiting for his chance to make it news. Yeah. When you think about it, like, uh, can either one of you name the number one draft pick from, you know, high school or college baseball last year? I can't. And the if that person was shot in some sort of love triangle or something, I'm sure it would be on ESPN or something briefly but he wasn't famous yet. Um, he was just a prospect. There was, I think they said like some sort of scout had spotted him or something. Um, so he probably played high school baseball. I don't know how young he was supposed to be in that first uh, scene, but seemed like pretty young, I guess. So like, I don't know. Uh, and then you're putting it back in the thirties when there's no internet and no easy way to do research. Uh, the only person I think is at fault for not putting it right together is Robert Duvall, because, come on, man, you're a reporter and you were there. This is ridiculous. Yeah, he would have remembered that. But, yeah, after 16 years, I'm sure his name would have, probably after six months, his name probably would have just dissolved into obscurity. Yeah, I think think the But why did he want it to be that way? Like, he seemed really intent on people not knowing Knowing. who he was. Which is extra weird, because his whole thing when he was talking to uh, the girl in the hospital was, I want people to, you know, when I walk down exactly. the street. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, Robert we... Duvall and Robert, uh, I've forgotten his name, Redford, both of them are, but everybody else, everybody else is fine. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I think that, that, uh, that that's another reason that I thought he was a ghost or he was mystical you know, was these very things you're talking about, like him being cagey, him not wanting to, you know, let people know about his past, things like that. Um, and, you know, when, like, I guess when you break it down, it is pretty simple, right? Like, that he, he felt like, I guess he sort of did a bad thing, and there was, like, punishment, and then... You know, that, like, he seems to be, you know, when he comes back, he's sort of all about being the good guy and making it right and standing up for, you know, for for what's right and being noble and things like that. Um, But I I think that, you know, like, like, in a lot of ways, there was, like, a lot of symbolism in the movie. It was kind of, like, allegorical, right? And I think that I... I looked at that and I wanted it to be more right. Like in some ways you're like, you're kind of looking at some of the stuff and you like, you look at the bat for example, and you're like, all right, is the bat supposed to be like Excalibur? Is there like a, like a, you know, a, 
like King Arthur kind of thing to this, you know, and then you start picking apart the players and trying to draw parallels and you're like, well, like not really, you know, and then like, like there's the judge who's all in that dark room and, and like, that was a little too on the nose too, right? Where he's like, oh, I, I live in darkness or whatever. Like he's born like, born of the dark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you merely adopted the darkness. <laughs> I was born into it. Um, yeah, so we have our, the judge, who I guess was our bane, um, I don't know, but, like, yeah, like, that was a little too on the nose, him being like, I thrive in the dark, or whatever, and then there was, there was Kim Basinger, and then there was the other guy that had the one eye, you know, and then I'm like, alright, is this like a, is this like a Homer's Odyssey kind of thing? Is, is he like the Cyclops? And then I start trying to, like, draw parallels, and I'm like, well, that's, like, that's not really what it is. So like well, I, no, that's I think, a great because then Kim Basinger's the uh, sirens, right? And then that's a pretty good one. Now I got to sit and look at that. Well, and like <laughs> and and like so, and again, like there was there was just there was way too much with the the light and the dark and the good and the bad. Like every time you saw Glenn Close, she was always dressed in white, um, which some <laughs> of it was kind of <laughs> cool, right? That like, was, but there, I noticed that was really on the nose. We're like, oh, bad girls in black all the time, good girls in white all the time. But but Kim Basinger switched every other scene, whether she was in black or white. So like, was that just about what her intentions were in the scene? And if so, like, God, like that's like that's what we're doing with this movie. You know what I mean? She was a complicated yeah. character in that, like, she was the bad guy, but then they still tried to make you feel bad for her at times. So like, maybe that was I don't know. They were trying to show that she was straddling that line, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to, you know, feed into your your analysis here. Yeah, it that like I I think I kept looking for more and then not and then being annoyed when I couldn't find it. You know, like like if if the movie is just um you know be good, don't be bad. You know what I mean? Like if that's if that's sort of just what the movie is. I, I, I wanted there I, to be a, another parallel. Something like that that I did notice this time, like uh, when he was, uh, especially when he was, there was one or two scenes when I noticed it that I can only think of the one right now. It might have been three or four scenes. The, uh, when he's going to the girl's room right before he gets shot, when he walks into the hallway, uh, he's in focus, but the hallway isn't. And I don't think it's just 1980s cameras aren't great at focusing on two points. Like, I think it was intentional because then he walks through the door and things become more, like, uh, becomes more clear. Like, it's not over-the-top fuzzy, but it's just, like, it's just intentional enough that I'm, or it's just enough fuzzy that I'm, like, I think this this scene's intentionally out of focus. Like, he's lost his way or he's not, you know, things aren't clear anymore. Um, It's just something I I noticed this time. I was like, I think they're trying to tell me something with that. It wasn't overly heavy-handed. I was like, all right, even though some of the you know like bad girls in black good girls in white stuff like felt like it was a little a little much and a little um you know uh, just sometimes muddy and then sometimes just too on the nose that i think the one thing that i did feel like was kind of cool and um i mean it was it was simple but i thought it was effective was like the way that Glenn Close was lit and costumed when she came to that first game of his. Because, like, yeah, like, they definitely wanted to, 
like make a big thing out of it that he was in this losing slump and then this mysterious woman is at the game and you know and and stands up for him and like all of a sudden his luck turns around and like that in and of itself is like a little hard to spell out right like all the time at a game somebody stands up like what's like what's the big deal but like her presence was so commanding and like the way she was costumed with that hat and then the way that the light hit it like it was it was kind of hard like not to notice her and be right so uh, the hat the hat made her look it almost made it look the way the light was coming through it almost made it look like a halo like i I wasn't sure if they were trying to tell me she's an angel like an angel of mercy or whatever but then also uh i'm not uh, i'm not the best with faces and it did a remarkably good job in the first shot of it but right before she stands up of drawing your attention to her and only her because if they hadn't done that i wouldn't have noticed her it was a big crowd shot and if they didn't literally put a halo of light around her face i i wouldn't have gotten through the crowd like scanning the crowd fast enough to notice her so it it also makes it clear why he noticed her because if i noticed her uh then yeah she stuck out i also thought she looked kind of funny <laughs> i think it's because i just can't reconcile her i've i don't think i've ever seen her young and <laughs> Like I just I I'm having a hard time reconciling it. Like yeah, I think in some ways she did look a little more awkward when she was younger. I think that there was also certain scenes where whoever the makeup artist was did not do her any favors. Like mm. uh, there that scene when they were sitting in the the bar having the lemonade. Um, like in the wide shot, she looked great, but then in the close up, you were like, what What did someone do to you? <laughs> <laughs> How was the 80s? Yeah. <laughs> it was the 80s pretending to be the 40s. Good times. Indeed, indeed. Well, I'm about tapped. You guys got anything else? I wrote down I wrote down Wilford Brimley gets a back massage. Yeah, that was something I didn't expect this to see in my lifetime, but you know, there it is. Yep, you saw it now. Wilfred Brimley, naked from the waist up, stared at you. <laughs> I, I guess the, uh, yeah, I have a lot of, like I said, I have a lot of indecipherable notes that are, it's probably pointless to try to decipher them. But I guess one that I did understand that I guess I will mention is, I guess the, uh, one of the other things that I thought was just a beautiful shot and was really striking was, you know, we talked about it when he, when he hits the home run and the the ball knocks out the light but then seeing the sparks reflected in Wilford Brimley's glasses I thought that was kind of one of the coolest shots I'd seen yeah yeah that was that was a really cool shot I was slightly distracted like when they're all celebrating and the sparks are like falling on them I kind of thought they'd be running away from <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, oh my god, no, your stomach didn't explode. Don't catch on fire now. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> like somebody's going to go blind. Sparks are going to land on their head and catch their hair on fire or something. Or catch those wooden bleachers on fire. We have one of the greatest travesties, uh, tragedies <laughs> oh, of all god. time. Thousands killed. Everyone dies the end. <laughs> well, the, the I, may, I guess the sparks and the light mirrors the... Lightning striking the tree at the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, 
and also also when the when the lightning struck the tree at the beginning of the movie and it was right after his dad had a had a heart attack like like i guess i guess this shows like how dumbed down movies have become and how they spell things out more because it was like there was the scene where he died and then the very next scene Robert Redford's looking out the window and it's the storm and the lightning strikes the tree and I'm like did he leave his dad underneath that tree? <laughs> I was like did he just leave him there? <laughs> oh that was that was the scene that I had to drink for the first time because I had the card uh, somebody finds a dead body we decided that counted I mean he saw him die but then he runs over and he's dead so I was like yeah he found a dead body <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Well, I think it's about time we wrap this up. And uh, I, I definitely recommend the movie. I think it's great. Um, obviously, it's a little, uh, you know, it's it's the 1980s. So things are a little bit cheesy by modern standards. But I think, I think it holds up pretty well. Yeah, I think it was a good movie all in all. I know that I, I know that I took a lot of issue with it. And I, I stand by the things that I said. But um but at the same time, I mean, I wasn't bored. I like, I was engaged the whole way through the movie, and I, you know, and and like Sean said, there's a lot of, there's there's so much memorable stuff that you know that's kind of the recipe for, you know, something that's gonna be long lasting. So I, I say yes. I'm I'm a big yes. I already said it's it's my fifth favorite sports movie. Uh, what are your top four? Uh, Rocky, Rudy, Field of Dreams, and Miracle. And if you and God, I watch Miracle over and over and over. I'm not going to argue it's better than the other three, but I've definitely seen that one the most. If you haven't watched Miracle, that's just I've not. I haven't seen it. Oh God, I haven't either. Oh come on, it's Kurt Russell doing <laughs> I, doing American <laughs> hockey versus Russian hockey in the 1980s, based on a true story. <laughs> I like the uh, the Family Guy joke where he's like. You wanted me to see the movie Miracle? And he's like, no, I think that Kurt Russell's career is a miracle. The fact that he's still doing this. Wow. God, I, oh, that one, is, oh, God, that movie's so great. Again, the, the other three are classic, and I'm, I'm not going to argue Miracle's a better movie than the other three I said. But uh, as far as just, like, I, that's one of those movies like Jurassic Park and Independence Day that I just watch, like, There's, I don't know. Oh, we watched Masters of the Universe. So all five of those, <laughs> all five of those sports movies that you just rattled off there, I think there's one movie that I would put above all of them. I'm sorry to say, a sports movie. Yeah. Wait, wait. Let me think for a second. A sports movie you think is better than Field of Dreams, Rocky, Rudy, The Natural, and Miracle? Uh, go ahead. What do you the- got? I think of the five that you said, I would put Field of Dreams at the top. And the one I'm going to say is a very different movie from Field of Dreams, but I would watch it every day of the week if I could. Uh, I would watch The Sandlot every day of the week if I could watch that movie. Like, that would be my top sports movie. A Sandlot's, that's got to be pretty high up there on my uh, on my list, too. I'm trying to actually think it's of number other inspirational 20. sports movies. For me, it's Sandlot is number 20? Sandlot yeah. should be number one. I, I, look, I'm not saying it's not a good movie. I enjoy the movie. It's a great movie. Forever. <laughs> 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 or I like when he's like, when they're all like, 
the great Bambino, the salt in the swing, you know, Babe Ruth. And he's like, they're all the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know, man. I think my number one might be a league of their own. It's a great movie. Too. That's, that's nice. really, that's got, I've never rated them, but that's, that's gotta be really high on my list of inspirational sports movies. 26. Twenty-six. All right, where's Cool Runnings? Cool Runnings. <laughs> uh, oh, I like Cool Runnings. John, look, I am a John Candy fan. I have rarely seen a John Candy movie that I have not liked. Cool Runnings is on my list. It's like thirty-seven to thirty-eight. Uh, I only got to fifty, and honestly, once you get past, like, I couldn't find that many. Like, but bottom ten aren't that great. Once you're out of the top, like, I'm not a big sports guy. Once you're down into like the forties and fifties, some of these movies are like, meh. All right. Yo, you just opened a can of worms for me with Cool Runnings. Do, do we do we have a minute for me to go on a, a tangent? I'm not going to stop you. Well, you hate yeah, it? Yeah, sure. I'll, it's John no, Candy. No, I love that movie. I think it's great. Well, you know the guy that that the guy <laughs> that doesn't want to form the bobsled team, the uh, the characters in the movie, his name is Yule Brenner, the yeah. bald guy. So so he's. He's played by an actor named Malik Yoba, so I I I worked with this guy at a at a local theater company near here. Like it was like they brought in, you know, hey, let's bring in a C list celebrity to add some uh, prestige to the show that we're doing, and like, ooh man, uh, that guy's years of reading probably reading lines on a cue card off screen had warped his ability to memorize big chunks of dialogue and and uh yeah in a show where he had most of it um and it was hard and uh he uh he he like left halfway through the show like he like he called out for a, a student matinee um and uh, we found out that he was playing golf that morning, and then they like they sort of like brought in an understudy, and like the understudy was kind of amazing. And then he was like, "Well, I guess you don't need me anymore. Suppose I'll be on my way now." <laughs> um, but uh, oh man, I have so many. Oh my god, I have so many good memories of that guy. Um, uh, he liked to throw around that he had two cars. He'd be like. Or, or, or two cars or two houses. Like, you'd be like, one of my properties, you know, or one of my vehicles, right? And, like, you're like, okay, dude. Um, and then uh, I also remember that he was wearing these these pants that had the, like, the little, like, rhinestone studding all over them. The, like, jeans that had the the um, the little, like, like, glitzy studs in the back of them. And the stage manager leans over to me and he's like... Do you think he bought those jeans bedazzled, or do you think he did it once he got them? <laughs> so I have I have more stories of Malik Yoba, but that's where I'll that's where I'll kill it there. All right, so the natural, excellent pick, uh, Paul. Thank you for bringing that into our lives. And now it is time for the letter O. So uh, I think I went first last time. So who's going first this time? I'll go. I don't care. The uh, so <laughs> the one I was gonna pick is a movie I haven't seen, and I'm just gonna throw it out there. Maybe if you're bored, 
I'm going to try to find this one because the if nothing else, you guys aren't going to watch it. That's fine. Uh, our listeners aren't going to watch it. But I highly advise you go and watch uh, the two-minute uh, trailer right, for this one. Uh, Jacqueline was like, they're never going to vote for that. Don't pick that as your movie. It doesn't even have a chance. But it's called Oh, My Zombie Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> and you would think, based on that title, that the trailer you would watch would seem like a movie that was heavily about zombies and or heavily about mermaids. The trailer hinted at zombies and hinted at mermaids, but seems like the movie's primarily about wrestling. And when I say wrestling, I mean like, like WWF wrestlers only in a Mortal Kombat scenario where like the wrestling's for real, but they're still doing the wrestling moves. And it seems like the zombie and mermaid plot are secondary. So this movie absolutely promises to be the perfect movie to play Booze Clues to, which I absolutely intend to do coming up soon. But as a more realistic pick for this podcast, I'm going to go with the 1970s. And I know this isn't up Chris's alley, so that's still a a little bit of a pull. But – uh, I don't think I've ever watched the whole movie. I've seen bits and pieces. The Omen. Uh, mm. It's supposed to be one of the best horror movies of all time. It's from 1976. Um, it's it's on my list of movies that I, I, I mean to watch, but I've never sat down and watched. I, I may have ruined it for myself because I've seen lots of bits and pieces. So I don't know that, you know, I don't know that I'll get the full effect. But um, it's a classic movie. I've always intended to watch it and just never sat down and done it. So The Omen. Yeah, I considered that as well. Uh, I'm same same page. I've never seen it. Uh, I think I, I think you're right. I think I've seen bits and pieces, or maybe have a peripheral knowledge because of like pop culture. But um, but yeah, that is of interest to me. Um, I I had a really hard time with that. Uh, I I looked at my shelf. Um, I only had like five or six O movies on my shelf. Uh, uh, I considered uh, Out of Sight, um, which is like a you know early '90s Soderbergh movie that stars uh, J Lo and George Clooney that I thought was pretty good. I was kind of like, oh, I wonder how that holds up. Then I was like, oh man, if I'm gonna propose a Soderbergh movie that starts with O, I should just propose Ocean's Eleven. And then I was like, ah, we've all seen that and probably talked about it a dozen times. And then I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I proposed Ocean's 12 and then, like, see what you guys said? Like, just, you know, in all seriousness, I was like, no, Ocean's 12. Um, I don't know if you if you guys watch uh, what they do in the shadows, but the, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the neighbor that has the Ocean's 12 memorabilia room. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, they didn't hit their stride until Ocean's 12. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I considered that. Um, I considered Office Space, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Of all but then time, I was, period. Yeah, yeah I was like, we'll talk just... talk about that for an hour, over and we'll over. We'll just spend the whole time talking about how much we love it. So then I was like, ah, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I sort of went through the list. I was like, I'm having a hard time figuring it out. And so what I landed on, and I don't know how this is going to fly... Uh, is once again, this is a movie I haven't seen, so it you know could be awful. I have no idea. Um, but this is a movie that I swear to God, I I 
I feel like every time you walked into a blockbuster, you saw this movie prominently displayed. Like, <laughs> like probably for four years of high school, I must have gone into a blockbuster every weekend and walked right past this stupid movie and looked at it and was like, eh, and I never watched it. Um, so the, the I remember the friggin' box pretty well had Jim Carrey on it with fangs, uh, and the movie is called Once Bitten. Once so, Bitten. I've never seen it. Apparently, Jim Carrey's a vampire. That's going to be my pick. Huh. Okay. I have seen that one, but it's been a long time. Um, I think there's like... I can't remember. I think there's like this weird, awkward blowjob scene that's either the funniest scene in the movie or like the most awkward and didn't quite hit the mark scene in the movie. I can't remember now. I think it's also one of those things where... Somebody else might really be the star of the movie, but because then, like, Ace Ventura became, like, the biggest movie ever and, like, George and uh, Jim Carrey was everywhere, that then they, like, changed the, the, the graphic on the box and started marketing it that way. Like, I think it's one of those movies. I think he was a prom... Again, it's been a long time since I watched it. I think he was a prom... Like, if he wasn't the star, he was, like, one of the stars... Um, I'm pretty sure he was, you know, prominently featured in that film. Uh, if I remember correctly, God, it's been so long. I, I think it was funny. I think uh, if you're holding it up to the work he did, like, a year or two later, well, no, it pales in comparison to, like, an Ace Venture or, you know. Uh, I feel like he knocked out two or three pretty good ones in a row. Um, but, yeah. The Mask? Right. What was it? It was, like, Ace Venture, The Mask. Oh, Bruce Almighty. I like that movie. Is that what's called Bruce Almighty? Uh, oh, there something the, else in there too. The Cable Guy. That's what he did cable immediately guy. after the mask. Right. Uh, which I I think that movie's hysterical. Uh, I think all those movies are hysterical, uh, and I think this one's just you know it's not quite on that level. But all right, well, I'd rewatch that, it. That's gonna be my pick. All right. Well, my pick actually was Off Space. <laughs> I thought about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, because I haven't seen that in a really long time. And then I was, you know, looking at my wall of movies, and then I came across Office Space. It's like I haven't seen that in years. I haven't not watched Office Space in years, and it's one of my favorite movies. And uh, I would love to rewatch it. So that's my pick, Office Space. Oh, man, I, I I probably watched it every weekend in college, like. I watched the crap out of that movie. <laughs> I watched the first half of that movie, like, at, literally at least once a week right before going to work. The movie is really two different movies that got smashed together, and the first half of that movie is the funniest movie I've ever seen, and the second half is fine. So wait, so what are the picks? It's uh, Once Bitten, The Omen, and Office Space. Okay. There's a trio. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let us vote and go. I just texted it to Jacqueline, so I'm just going to say it instead. (laughs) (laughs) Office space is what I said, and now yours are coming through. I see Chris said omen, which is weird. I thought, oh, no, Paul said omen. I don't have anything from Chris. I said once bitten. Son of a bitch, we did it. (laughs) We we made a stalemate. We got a a goocher. (laughs) What happens when we do a stalemate? I don't know. Karen's asleep, so I can't use her as a tiebreaker. Who has somebody nearby they can try to use as a tiebreaker? Jacqueline! Well, I, I, I feel like when the rule is that we all vote 
each other's things and do a stalemate that we just like, you know, we throw it all out and we flip the table over and we watch The Hobbit or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, no. You know what I think we have to do? I think we have to watch Oh My Zombie Mermaid. (laughs) (laughs) Or Ocean's 12. (laughs) Hold on. Give me me one second because Jagger wasn't thrilled about The Omen. Uh, she's probably going to pick one spin if I had to guess, but she's in the other room. I can get her to pick because she's going to end up watching it with me. So hold on. No luck. She's passed out. Yeah, Karen's asleep too. Um, who can I bother? Sherry's all the way downstairs. Oh, who should we text? We should text someone because that's good podcasting. There you go. Uh, uh, text Greg. Yeah, get Greg. Got it. One of our listeners. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't we? I'm sure Greg's going to really appreciate this text. Greg has chosen office space. Okay. Okay. I guess office space it is. Go figure. All right. Well, that is our pick. We are going to be watching Office Space, uh, which is a marvelous movie, and I can't wait to see it again. And I don't think I'll have any problems convincing Karen to watch that one with me either. No, no. That's that's an easy one to push on people. They're like, hell yeah, I'll watch Office Space again. Where is Office Space available? <laughs> it's available on my DVD of Office Space. Why? Why wouldn't yeah, someone own a DVD of Office Space? It's a good point. Like, what? Who doesn't own this movie? I don't know. I guess I younger know. people, but younger people aren't listening to this podcast. So. It says you can watch it on Amazon Prime with subscription. Then younger people need to educate themselves what Office Space is. That's what I say. I well, agree. Let me tell you, teaching younger people. At least once a week, I reference something that nobody understands, and I look like an idiot. Uh, quite regularly, when I talk about power tools and um, and having them unplugged when you change bits or blades, uh, I reference uh, maximum overdrive, and I say, can't come to life and kill you if you have it unplugged. Like, maximum overdrive. And they're all like, what? And then I'm like, it's an American treasure. Watch it. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that they didn't understand that sometimes tools have to be plugged in. It's going to be like, this is bullshit. <laughs> well, yeah, all right. So Office Space looks like uh, it's available on Hulu uh, through Prime Video with subscriptions, and it's available for sale in any number of ways. But find Office Space. It's out there. Get your hands on it and watch it. And that's can, what we're going to be watching next Get time. yourself a DVD copy of it. If you, if you haven't ponied up $5 to buy a DVD copy off eBay yet, you're wrong. <laughs> exactly. It's that simple. It's Office Space. I own, like, literally, like, 15 or 20 DVDs at this point. I got rid of most of them because why? I, I know you like physical media, but I'm, like, I'm moving around. I'm carrying these boxes of DVDs. Why am I doing this? But Office Space is Office Space. Like, you got to have that one. Yeah. I like read. physical media with video games and records, but pretty much everything, like, movies. I'm totally cool with streaming movies. Yeah. Movies and TV shows. Yeah, either way. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us. Um, you guys have anything else to say before we close? Don't get on a cruise ship. It's too early. Okay. Well, avoiding COVID, a theater near you is a part of the Geekade Podcast Network. And if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. We can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time in a theater near you. Bye. Bye.